BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Good afternoon, Roxy Soxy. Good afternoon, Tam Tam. Oh, the calendar. No, that's what you said when we first got on. Was <laughs> yes. <"Ugh." laughs> yes, the calendar does not lie. Aunt Flo uh, is about to make her appearance any day oh, now. Really, Aunt Flo. Yes, Aunt, Aunt Flo. Flo. Aunt Flo is about to come and knock on the door. <laughs> yeah. Aunt Flo kick- seems very posh today. <laughs> I wish my period door. spoke to me like I that. I know. I know. They, I'd be we- like, yeah, come and have some tea and biscuits. <laughs> it's more like a big kick in the stomach I and know. like a punch in the head. You know. I know. You know what's interesting is like I've been so healthy this last month that because we've got back to LA and LA is all about that, It'll- that I didn't even know that my period was coming. Like I oh. knew it was coming, but I didn't feel it coming through physical symptoms. Okay. And like, well, not physical symptoms, maybe mental symptoms. My <laughs> poor husband was like out of the bedroom for like a week. Um, so maybe my PMS is not getting better, but it was interesting that I didn't have any of the cramps or anything like that. Oh, you didn't have any of the cramps. Interesting. Mm -mm. Because I feel like, I don't know if it's also like the summer now, it's like warmer, but I just feel like hot and like at night too yeah. i was like ugh, uncomfortable sleeping wants to and- bleed in the summer oh you know? god i know <laughs> can't our periods just take the vacation summer vacation too like our I kids know. do you will know? you be excited when one day it's all over with or I don't are know. you gonna be a little sad because it was part of your life for so long yeah i kind of think i will be a little bit sad because i clearly remember my first period do you yeah. do you remember I like do. the first i remember my left? first period and um it's because it was a different generation. Like my parents didn't talk about their periods right. a lot. So, um, so I remember getting it and seeing blood and I knew what it was and I panicked and uh-huh. I was so angry at my pad. <laughs> it was like, it wasn't my pad's fault. Right. And so I got my period and I threw all my pads away. 
I was like, screw it. Like that wasn't going to help me. How is that going to help the situation? I was going to bleed through my underwear. So I threw all my pads in this box. I had this little bin. It was like this pink little bin. I threw it all away in there. And then I didn't tell anyone for a long time because I was so upset about it. Is that interesting? You know what? We didn't have like open like talks like that either really about the period. I remember that I got my period. I was a late bloomer. So everything has like happened to me late in my life. So I was 15 and I woke yeah. up for some reason. 14. I like, yeah. yeah. Right. I remember waking up for some reason. I passed out like on the couch and not my bed that night, mm-hmm. but I woke up and I was bleeding and I had bled on our living room couch. How do you describe that? I mean, how do you, I mean, how do you hide that? You're just like, well, I I was so mortified. I did not know what to, I tried to like clean it out, you know, like it, cause that period stain, I mean, that blood stains, like you are not, it's not going anywhere. And we should introduce our next guest soon, but I want to say yes. this really quick, really funny story. My mom always told me, and I don't even know if she'll let me tell this story. She oh. was at a boyfriend's house and they oh. just started dating. It might've been my dad actually. Oh. And they had a white couch and she bled over the entire white couch. Oh. And so she hit it with pillows. Oh. <laughs> like, Good one, mom. Um, she hit it with pillows and I'm sure somebody else had a very interesting surprise next time that oh they sat God. on that couch, but it was a white couch. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, mortifying. you don't want to have white anything. Horrifying. No, no pants, no white pants, yeah. no white couch, like no white mm. car, no white yeah. seat. Like, oh, my. So God. Let's find out about our next guest period. Why not? Right. <gasps> yeah. We might as well get in there. <laughs> might as get well just there. get in. <laughs> well, the good news is she has a podcast called Martinis and Marriage. Mm. Um, and it's amazing. It's she and her husband, Adam, Danielle and Adam. They had this like huge podcast. I mean, so many people listen mm-hmm. to it. It's like. The talk of the town. I think we actually got connected through Kat and Nat because mm-hmm. she heard us on that podcast. And then we all kind of connected the dots. So now we're doing a fun swap and she's coming on our show and we're going to be yeah. hers next. So it's going to be really fun. But they just say it like it is. You got to love these two because they just break it down. They're not afraid to talk. Who about is that it. like, Roxy? Who <laughs> says it like it is that you might know? Ooh, I don't know. <laughs> Starts with Moxie, ends with Soxy. <laughs> where's that girl girl? i want to meet her (laughs) totally so yeah so we are so excited to have danielle here thank you so much for being here thank you so much for having me oh marriage and martinis where did you i mean i feel like marriage was martinis before i had kids (laughs) now it's like marriage in poop and vomit and <laughs> all the things <laughs> i want to go back to marriage and martinis it didn't become, become marriage martini or martinis again during the pandemic because i feel like for everybody it all became all about martinis again during the pandemic mm-hmm. like everybody was back to that whole yes. sitting around and drinking and yeah Uh, It was the only way to get through the pandemic a lot of times because, you know, it was like Groundhog Day every day. And you're like, hmm, Mm -hmm. maybe I should just vary it up. I'll have a martini tonight, rosé tomorrow, maybe tequila the next day. I gave up. Remember, Roxy? I was like, (laughs) I'm giving up on July 1st of 2020. I was like, guys, I'm just going to see what a year like would be like without alcohol. January 1st, 2020. (laughs) And I actually made it to August 20th. I mean, I cannot believe you made it that far 
Yeah. I mean, I was smoking hard drugs, but (laughs) just kidding. Just kidding, mom. (laughs) Whatever floats your boat and gets you through, huh? Sure, sure. (laughs) So Danielle, what is it like working with your husband, like doing this podcast? Because Tamara and I always sort of tease it. We're like, okay, we're going to have our husbands come on and we're going to like have this amazing episode, but like in a way, I'm a little scared to have yeah, them come on. Gonna ruin it Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So like, tell us about working with your husband. Well, we have the opposite thing because our marriage was terrible before we started the podcast. Oh, interesting. So we were, we started the podcast when we were literally like, you couldn't, we couldn't dig ourselves any deeper than we were. Like we were kind of like literally at, rock bottom, but our rock bottom had been for like a couple of years. Okay. So, um, yeah, so we, uh, you know, when we started it, we were sort of like, we got nothing to lose. And then, and, um, I mean, I'm not going to say now everything's like unicorns and rainbows. It's still Mm -hmm. marriage and it's still hard and everything, but it's, um, I mean, beyond like a 180 from what it was, it's Mm -hmm. been awesome. And we've actually had like a really, it's a really good partnership. Um, but we also like have very separate roles. I mean, we record together, but other than that, we do nothing together for the podcast mm-hmm. except record. So okay. when you said your relationship was in an area that wasn't great, um, you know, we, I think we've all had ebbs and flows in relationships mm-hmm. and, you know, luckily in my relationship, you know, not luckily, but after babies, it's always kind of gone in a, in an ebb, you know, it's always been really tough for me post uh, postpartum. I've always had emotional, mental (laughs) health issues (laughs) postpartum, and that's not great for him. We've always got back into our flow, but how did you know that? I mean, what are some signs like in a relationship and in a marriage that you know, that things are just not going in the right direction? Mm -hmm. Yeah, if you hate them. <laughs> <laughs> but hate could mean love, can yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Hate- no, it, it, you know, people always ask me that because we, we talk sometimes about like the fact that we really should have separated. I mean, there was a point where we really should have separated and we didn't. And 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 I, I give people who know that they should separate and do. I give so much credit. I totally believe in that. For us, it, we feel like, thank goodness we didn't because... Mm-hmm have come so far and everything, but I know that every situation is unique. And, you know, there are some people who can't come back from whatever they've gone through. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been, I don't want to say lucky because we've worked our asses off, but I also think sometimes heart, even you could work. I know people who have like done therapy a few times a week and done so much stuff and you still can't save it. So, you mm-hmm. know, um, yeah, but we, you know, we just, we got to a point where we like, you know how you get to a point where you're like roommates or ships in the night and you kind of feel like, I don't know, I'm living with this person, but there's no like, Mm -hmm. you know, there's no connection. We were way beyond that. We were like, you know, we just, we were barely even like on the same page about anything. Hmm. So um, yeah, but then, you know, and then, but, but at the whole time we knew like we loved each other, you know, we knew that we wanted it to work. So right, right. Uh, as much as it was rock bottom, we were also sort of like, I don't know, I kind of like, I just, I feel like maybe we could still make it work. Uh, so mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It's all like that time period, such a blur to me, kind of, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it was, uh, so was it like, okay, so when you guys started the podcast where you guys were like, okay, we got to do something like, let's see how this goes. Or did it just sort of happen? And then through that, like, talking to each other and being on the podcast together that helped your marriage 
Yeah, when we well, it was my idea to start it, and okay. I, the whole reason why I wanted to start it was because so Adams always loved podcasts, like since before podcasts were cool, like okay. the okay. first podcast. You know what I mean? Like the original podcast he was listening to, he was the listener. And, um, and so I knew that he loved podcasts and he was going out a lot and partying and everything. And I was sort of like, I don't know, I kind of need him home and like here with me and know where he is and like, you know, feel like he's safe and whatever, but yet he wants to have fun. And so I was, I just one night said to him, like, we should, we're going through all this stuff. Yeah. It doesn't seem like there's anybody out there in marriage other than like religious or self-help podcasts or it doesn't mm-hmm. seem like anything that's like, we are going through it right now. Mm-hmm. And I said it to him expecting him to be like, uh, no, that's ridiculous. Who are we to start a podcast? Which was kind of true, but mm-hmm. he didn't, he was like, okay, he's like, let's do it. And, and you wrote an entire book about it, too. Yeah. Well, not a book about that exact subject, but about, you know, date night questions. Yeah, and the questions that- we've asked each other um, and on the podcast that really transformed our relationship. So yeah. what are some of those questions? Yeah. Well, we did. Um, I mean, we've had 170 episodes, so we've had like a lot of questions. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what are those main questions that you have to ask someone if you're in a marriage and you're thinking, right. OK, well, which we way do we go? It. We did like the topics um, that have been, you know, that have for us and our listeners, it seems like Mm -hmm. really been the top, like the topics that you really need to have the conversation or else if you don't, it's just building resentment, right? Like there are those topics that we know Mm -hmm. we have to have that conversation, but it's so scary. So we tiptoe around it and we never talk about it until there's an explosion, Mm-hmm. But we've, you know, through the podcast, like what we've learned is, you know, when you're on a mic for an hour, an hour and a half in front of people like you and you want to have a conversation, you can't just fight the whole time. Although we do fight on the podcast, mm-hmm. but you can't, you know, you have to figure out a way to make it like somewhat productive. Mm-hmm. So we've mm-hmm. kind of done that. And like the, we've learned how to frame our questions to each other in the podcast and everything. And, you know, we, we've learned like how to get through it and have it be productive, but mm-hmm. still have the good conversation. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So people, we, you know, we're always asking us for the questions and everything. And, um, you know, they'll, they'll always be like, can you tell us, you know, what you asked each other? So we mm-hmm. put it in this ebook and it's been amazing. Like the reaction has been amazing mm-hmm. hearing people who like haven't had sex for a year answering the questions and then like going upstairs and having sex for the first time in like a year or two or you know talking to each other for like three hours when they haven't had a real conversation in years or so it's been it's been really awesome Mm-hmm. I mean, no doubt marriage is so fucking hard, right? It's like, <laughs> especially during this like crazy pandemic time when we mm-hmm. were all like locked down, there was nowhere to go. Um, how did you guys fare during that time, like in the pandemic? Because I know Tamara and I talk about it on this podcast and it like really went up and down for us because, mm-hmm. you know, when you're stuck with somebody for like an extended period amount mm-hmm. of time, it's like, you know, you're going to drive each other crazy and there's going to be things that happen. So like, how did you guys kind of get through that and come out on the other end? Yeah, we did well with the We did well with quarantine. It mm-hmm. was when we started to like get back into, I mean, my husband also has a business outside the podcast, like he's mm-hmm. in a family business. Mm-hmm. So when we were quarantined, the five of us, I mean, it was really fun. It was just kind of like a party. And also school wasn't that serious. Like mm-hmm. there wasn't a lot of other 
to worry about. I mean, besides probably getting sick with the pandemic. Right. <laughs> there, you know, there, there wasn't like, we, we didn't have to get the kids on the bus and we didn't have to like mm-hmm. do projects and we didn't, you know, so it was sort of like, we did really well with it. It was one mm-hmm. I was stuck at home with the kids and he sort of started to go out and go to work and everything. And I was home. That's when it was hard. That's when it was sort of like, you know, I was sort of jealous that you know, yeah. you know, he was going to work. It wasn't like he was going to a spa, but yeah. I was still sort of like, oh my God, you get to see the outside world and you get to like talk to people and I'm here all the time. Yeah. You know, you get resentful, you know, you get like for me, I I work all the time and I love my work because I love it, but also because it's a time I get to just be away from everyone and I'm very codependent. So I love to be around my, not codependent with my kids, but very codependent with my husband. And yet I do crave that alone time. So I feel like I've got this great situation where I get to like go to work and then I also get to be a mom and I do, you know, half the work. So I have so much empathy for women who are with the kids almost 70 to 80% of the time, still maybe wanting to have their own career or working from home or whatever. And then the husband's out working most of the time. I find it like that would be suffocating. Like I wouldn't be able to do that. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I just read a book that was sort of like, because I always feel, well, this is one of the things, it's like the mental load, right? That you're mm-hmm. always, you know, that what that's one of the, the the sections actually of the date night question book, because that is our main, Adam and my main issue is the mental load. Like we have, mm-hmm. I think we've done like 10 episodes on it because it's just something that is so like pervasive in our marriage. But I was reading a book recently that was talking about, you know, how like there's two of you and you, so you think you're like divvying up all this work and everything, but there's way more work than for two people. Right, right. So, you know what I mean? So it's not like you're, you know, you're getting so angry about the, the, you know, divvying everything up. But at the same time, like you just, there, there's an, there's enough work for five mm-hmm. people, for 10 people. So, you know, you can't possibly like mm-hmm. just, you, it doesn't matter how much you're working or not working or whatever. You still can't possibly do it all with just two people. Roxy, do you check, like, do you keep score? Cause I, I sometimes do yeah, that. And I think yeah. that that is one of the worst habits mm-hmm. that I have in our marriage. My husband does not keep score, mm-hmm. but I'm like, okay, I was with the kids for three and a half hours. Now you were only with them for an hour. So I do, I, I need to, I need some time to get some work done. And I think that you can't, you can't live in a marriage like that. Yeah, I definitely keep score and I hate that I do it because it makes Mm -hmm. me also feel bad about myself, you know, Mm -hmm. and I'm like, oh, like, why am I feeling so insecure that I'm keeping score? But like you're saying, David doesn't do that. He's not like, okay, I was with the kids, you know, all day Mm -hmm. Saturday. Now it's your Mm -hmm. turn Saturday. Like he just kind of does. But I think too, that's like the nature of his personality, like where it's like he just mm -hmm. kind of adapts and goes, you know what I mean? Like but to that. But for me, I think because... It's two such different modes that I'm in. If it's like mom mode versus same, like I find it hard else. to blend yes. it. I do. It's really hard to blend it. So it's like if I'm in the mom mode, I'm like full on in. You know, it's like full mm-hmm. blown in. And then when I'm doing, you know, something else or with adults or with him or whatever, it's like so different. And it's hard for me to like separate the two. You know, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I think like that for me is a little bit tricky. And I start to get irritated too. I I have to check myself because. 
Sean said to me this morning is like, why are you so edgy? And I was like, had to think about it because normally I would just yeah. go go straight to I'm not edgy, <laughs> which is like an edgy <laughs> statement. But I was like, OK, why am I edgy? And I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. OK, so I'm edgy because I have to try to get Phoenix out. Obviously, you're doing you're helping, too. But then I also have to, like, give this work uh, email. I have to do this work email before Phoenix leaves. And I have to get ready for my shoot that I'm supposed to shoot. Plus, put the diaper on. And then I, it's not about him doing more or less. It's yeah. just like I'm edgy because. I have to be thinking about work, but I've got my kids here. Yeah, yeah. Or I have yeah. to be thinking about my kids, but I'm late for work. Yeah. That's yeah. why I get edgy. Like, I'm. it's very hard for me to do both at the same time, even though we're supposed to be great multitaskers. I don't think we are. No, they say that multitasking is a complete myth. That it's not, that's not even a real thing. That you can't, there's no such, like, they're, they're always like, there's, there's no such thing as multitasking. Like, mm. it, you know, we've made it up. It's nothing that exists. You are not supposed to multitask. But yet, of course, like, how do we not? Mm-hmm. <laughs> we not multitask. Like, what, what are we supposed to do then? Something gets dropped or forgotten or, but yeah, it's, it's, it is really, really hard. And that is by far, like, I feel like the issue that, I mean, I find that, I don't know, do you find that most of your friends have that issue too? Because for me, that's like, we, that's what we all talk about. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think, you know, as far as my friends go, it's like, and, and, and they too feel guilty if they, they're not, you know, answering a work email and like taking care of the kid, you know, trying to deal with their partner. Like, and it's like, you're, it's almost like you're not doing enough if you're not doing five things at one time, yeah. you know, right. but, but I don't think my husband feels that way. I don't think mm-hmm. the men in our lives feel that way. I don't think that they're thinking, oh my God, I'm not writing a work email while I'm talking to my, you know, kid and then mm-hmm. like talking to my wife or whatever. Like, it's like, they, they definitely don't have that same guilt. You know? I find that most of my friends either don't have kids mm-hmm. or they have kids and they're full-time moms, which is, again, a massive job in itself, but they don't want to, like, have a business as well. Mm-hmm. Or if they do have a business and they have kids, they have help. Or they have a community or they have grandparents or they have what, you know, I'm yeah. not anywhere near my family. I don't have friends that I can be like, hey, can I drop my two kids to you on a Friday and then I'll take your two kids on a Friday. Mm-hmm. If I lived on if I lived in Australia, I would do that. I've got like six of my friends that I can be like, let's just swap it up. You yeah. take two days. I'll take two days. My mom and dad are there. There is no yeah. there, there is no um, community or like the, the, I mean, for me anyway, where you can do that, especially in places like maybe New York and Chicago and and Los Angeles. And it's just not like it used to be like, where's the tribe? Yeah. Where's the tribe? Like you're supposed to have kids, right? This is this, mm-hmm. the narrative that I was told. Have kids. We all it's like it takes a village. Mm-hmm. Where's the fuck is the village? You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like where the fuck is the village? A village costs money. Yep. Or you have to live near your parents, which could be a good thing, could not be. Or you stay at home with the kids. Yeah. Or you don't have kids. That's the choice. Yeah, yeah. There's no like daycare at mm-hmm. work. Yeah. Or yeah. they do. It's very few places, right? Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. It's it is so it's so hard to find. I mean, you guys have really young kids, right? Are your kids mm-hmm. are one two? Yeah. Yeah, mine is six. Two? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, so now I have a 15 year old. We well, have 15, 13, and nine. And I mean, it really. I mean the 15 year old in and of herself, like not that she's not a lot of work. She's a teenage girl, but at the same time, she really, I mean, I don't ever need a babysitter. I don't ever, you know, if I'm just running out or something to food shop or whatever, like she, she's here and it does help. Not that she's, you know, not that I need to put her in charge of like 
I know she needs her own life and everything, mm-hmm. but it does those, those little years. And now, I mean, my middle son, you know, he's downstairs playing video games or whatever. It's, mm-hmm. it does get a little easier once they're a little bit older. I hope that helps them, but mm-hmm. it does get, you know what I mean? It's not like, I don't have to constantly be on top of them, even though trust me with virtual school and everything, mm-hmm. it's like every other second, the Wi-Fi is out or something, you know, mm-hmm. so it, that it's brought it back to that. But at the same time, it definitely, I think gets a little bit like they get a little mm-hmm. more independent, you know, mm-hmm. and different problems. And it's emotional. Yeah. Isn't it like emotional issues? I've heard that. See, I was never like this with my mom because I was working at 15. So like I was on a show at 15. So I had to be the good girl. Like I had to go to work. I mean, I didn't have to, but then I'd lose my job. So I had to go to work. I had to be respectful. I had to come home and make sure I wasn't going out too late because then I had to learn my lines the next day. It's weird because I thought maybe that was the best thing for me because I never went wild because I was too worried I had to go to work the next day. Um, But I hear as they get older, there is like more issues with like, you know, you know, them not wanting to be around their parents or back talking and discipline is different these days. Like, uh, you know, we don't yell at them. We talk to them. So yeah, Yeah, I was just going to say, like, how do you um, discipline your kids? Like, do you did you do go the route of like, sitting him down, kind of discussing things? Like, what was your sort of path? Well, I guess it depends. I mean, first of all, I'm a screamer. You do not scream at Bray, Roxy. No, I've never once heard you scream at that child. I mean, I have definitely lost my cool and screamed at her before, but I feel so bad after that, mm-hmm. you know? And then I start beating myself up. So it's almost like not worth it for me to scream at her. Right. No, I, I, I just kind of scream at everybody, like, especially in the morning and everything. I sort of like, they're just kind of used to it. I feel like they don't even kind of pay attention anymore. But, um, I mean, you know, it all depends. Like I, I have to say, I always say about my kids, like they're really, really good humans. Like they're not, you know, they're, I don't ever have to worry about them. Like, you know, being, getting in trouble at school or bullying or whatever mm. like that, but they are also kids and they are huge pains in the way that they, you know, they're, they don't want to do their work and they don't want to like, mm. they, they want me to do everything for them. And so, you know, there's this, like the stuff that I feel like I don't have to sit down really and talk, like talk to them. I feel like we are as a family sort of like, I don't know, we, we do a lot of good and stuff and they see us doing a lot of good and Mm. so I think that that has sort of like shaped them as who they are Mm. but at the same time like on the daily stuff that's where I Mm. that's where it gets me the like every day constant mom 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 all of that is really hard Mm. so yeah I think you scream more probably too once they get older and in those teenage years where they're like probably you know what I mean like I feel like it's almost like they're more like responsible for what they're doing you know that Dr. Shafali said uh-huh. that know. screaming, there's nothing our children could possibly do that <laughs> warrants us screaming at all. Like we we should be able to, again, I don't do this. Yeah. Do I want to be this way? Absolutely. Do I want to calm my own limbic system down right. so I can have a proper conversation with my kids? Absolutely. Can I right. do that sometimes? Sure. Not lately, but sure, <laughs> you know, but but I want to get to the point where I'm not yelling and I'm like communicating with them and they're listening to me, you know, because yeah. that 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 is my goal. I don't know if it's even a I feel can like happen, you don't, but, but you don't scream at them either. I have never heard you scream at your kids. So my husband said that 
I have not with my kids, but I have these outbursts with him yeah. and he does not like that. He's he's you know, they're not aggressive outbursts like I'm not a violent person. Yeah. But so I'll be sitting in the car and I'll say my set, you know, I'll, I'll say what I think. I'll say what I think. I'll say what I think. Yeah. But if I feel like someone's not listening to me or they're hurting me intentionally, then I'll yeah. be like, well, why don't you like it'll be like that, you know, and, uh, and yeah. that's that comes out of nowhere. And that's just my own pain, which is like, you're not listening. You're not listening. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. You know, yeah. and then I have to catch myself and say, sorry. That wasn't, it was, it's not a, it's not a, I don't say it to him. Like, I don't say you're this and call names or anything or like put him down. It's more that I just get loud uh, and I want to not do that. I want to be able to calm myself down before I do that. I mean, you can do the square breathing. That's what my therapist <laughs> talks about. Hold it in for a few, blow it out for, I'm like, oh my God, if I could be that good of a person to like actually pull myself out of that right. heated moment, you know what yeah. I mean? And do that breathing where I'm like calling myself, but I don't know about you yep. guys, but when I get so escalated and so annoyed and mad, it's next to impossible for me to step And you out. have to do it before you have to pre- you have to think that you're going to scream today. Right. So you need to do the things to foresee that that's going to happen. It's inevitable, right? We're going to scream. Yeah. So do the meditation and the breathing when you're calm before it happens, because then when you get to that situation, you're way calmer. Again, I'll use that term. Limbic system is yeah. down. Your, your, your bucket isn't full because you've right. calmed yourself down. So we're not going straight to that. Girl, easier said than done. Like, <laughs> <laughs> How about right, you? It's sort of like I don't start screaming. I ask them to do it like one, two, yeah. three, four times. Right. It's time. Like, what are you supposed to do? I get I, it. Yeah. I just don't understand how people like don't. What I mean. If my kids listened the first or the second time, I would not scream. I can guarantee it. It's yeah. just like after a certain point, you're just like, all right, maybe if I say it louder, maybe they're not hearing me. Right. Maybe if I <laughs> throw a shoe. I mean, I guess I've got to this point where I'm like, I just keep telling myself this. I'm like, okay, I don't own my, because I feel like sometimes when my kids came to me, I'm like, oh, they're mine. They're not yeah. mine. I don't own them. So I keep saying, I don't own my kids. I don't own my kids. They're their own people. They have opinions. I don't agree with their opinions. Some of the time, if not a lot of the time, I have to talk to them because my seven-year-old is very sensitive and like one little thing in the wrong direction. And she's going to be like, she said to me the other day, she goes, you lie to me all the time. And I said, no, I changed my mind after you've had two cookies that no, you can't have the third thing, you know, <laughs> like, you know, but you got to be careful with kids because they remember everything. Oh, you know? they have the memory of an elephant. It's true. They remember elephants everything. have good memories. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> but speaking, speaking of kids, you know, that Danielle's oldest daughter, I believe the 15 year old, she recently came out. Is that right? Yeah, she did it. Uh, she she came out a while ago, actually. She's okay. Come, she not to us for a long time, but um, but she had been saying to us for like a year that she really wanted to come on the podcast and do an episode of it. So she came. Oh. Up and she was like, I guess she was maybe almost fourteen when she first came to us and was like, "I'd really like to do an episode." And oh. you know, you know how it is. Like you get really protective of your kids. And right. I mean, we have an awesome community. Our listeners are so supportive and everything. But you know, you just like. You don't want to, open, you know how this internet can share, yeah. And, and, you know, like you get feedback from all directions mm -hmm. and it's like an open market and anybody can say anything. So of course, you know, I just kept saying like, 
I don't think it's a good idea. You know, I want you to share your story, but I don't know if it's the time yet or if you're old enough yet. Or, you know, like I just was worried about the feedback and, you know, I just wanted to like keep her safe. Right, um, right. And then finally, Adam, actually, my husband finally said, he's like, we got to let her do it. He's mm-hmm. like, we have a platform. She really wants to do it. She feels like, you know, sort of like we do, like we've gone through something we want to share and she feels the same. And let me tell you, she came on and she was fantastic. And we we still like get tons of messages every week from parents and kids and everything. So she did that. Yeah. And she, um, it, yeah, it was really, it was like a really awesome experience for her and for us. And um, yeah, she's really great and confident. And I don't know, she's mm-hmm. like very like proud of who she is. And so it's been actually like a really great journey for her, but she also knows that it's not, that's not always the case. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, so she's really into like making sure that, you know, other people know that they're not alone. So Mm -hmm. yeah, it's been great. Mm. How do you navigate that, you know, as a mom whose child just comes out for the first time, I mean, I'm sure the first thing you say is we love you no matter what your choices are, like how, you know, any tips for parents whose kids have just come out to them, what the right thing to do is, what the right thing to say is, you know, like how, how, how it went down in your family. And also, also just to add on to that, what was your initial reaction? Like, you know, straight away. Yeah, my my initial, you know, it's so funny because my she came out to us so easily, like she wasn't worried at all to come out, which was awesome. However, she um she recently came to us also, um and had and told us that she wanted to get evaluated for autism because she has some like she's always had some things that you know I guess like I guess check some of the boxes or you know I I don't know mm-hmm. how to say it but um you know she's always sort of like had she's has some um sensory stuff and she's had some social stuff and um and so she came to us like a couple months ago saying you know i really want to know what's going on i really would like to get evaluated and that actually was really hard for her to come to us and say which when i found out that she had like been keeping that inside for all these months that she wanted to get evaluated i was like oh my god why why were you keeping that from us and she said that she was nervous about how we would react or we would mm. think that you know maybe we would say that she was being dramatic or whatever you know and of course you're like oh my god i would of I want you to tell, I want to know, but that just goes to show like as comfortable as she was to come out, there was something there that she wasn't feeling comfortable enough to tell Mm -hmm. us. Of course, breaks my heart, but something I have to realize, like, I don't know, maybe there's something there that I'm not making her feel comfortable or, you know, you go through all the like, what did I do? What did I say? Why did she not want to tell me? But um, I think with anything, like what Mia said on the podcast and what she would say is um, you got to believe your kid. You just got to believe your kid, your kid knows, you know, and, um, you know, that a lot of times parents will say, oh, it's a phase or you're too young to know, or, um, you know, or well, let's, let's circle back to that in a couple years. And she'll just say, um, no, you got to just, whatever your child is saying, you got to go with them and know, you know, that, that they know better than you do. Mm -hmm. Then that's it. 
So, um, yeah, so it's been, you know, I'm more like, I feel like there's so many things now that, um, going on in the world and everything that like we want to teach our kids and we want them to know that I, I, I've sort of found like in the past couple years, especially when there've been like, I don't know, all these social issues that have come back up and everything, like there's so much to talk about and there's so much we Mm want to discuss with our kids and everything that like, I am so trying to just like focus on having them be good people and what Mm -hmm. they put out into the world that like, I'm not even concerned about, you know, who they love. Like I want them to just love good people and I want them, you know, and so that's ultimately like I'm, I'm lecturing them a thousand times a day about so much stuff Mm -hmm. that I want to, I want to make sure that those lectures are about how they're going to act in the world or how they're going to allow people to treat them. Not Mm -hmm. so much like, well, this is who you need to love. And this is because ultimately, like, that's, that's not what I'm concerned about. I want them to love and be loved. Mm-hmm. But, um, but, you know, I think that, like, when it comes down to it, I am constantly lecturing them, but I'm trying to choose my lectures wisely. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. you know, so it's sort of like, that's just not something I feel like I need to waste my lecture bandwidth on. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, so true that you said that. Like, I, I think the meaning of all our lives is how did you love and how were you loved? I mean, it's almost, I I say to my husband, it's like, maybe not the, how were you loved, but how did you love? Mm -hmm. And that is like the most important question. I feel like when you get to the end of your life and that that's including your child, like, Mm -hmm. how did you love her? And she made a decision that some parents would not be okay with, which Mm -hmm. To me, I don't understand because I love my kids so much. They could be an elephant for all I care. Um, And I would love them. And it is. It's like if you give her that safe space to just be who she is and love her because of it, then she will be magnificent because she has you backing her, you know. And it breaks my heart for all those kids who are out there in the world who don't have that backing and yeah. um, I can't even imagine what that would be like. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I know. I know. It's, it is It is. devastating to think about. And then it does, it does happen. And so I think that's one of the reasons why, you know, it was, I'm glad that we made the decision we did to mm-hmm. have her come on the podcast as much as like it was a really hard decision. Mm-hmm. It wound up, I think, really being the right one. What do you think made the difference for her to feel so comfortable to be able to be so open and honest with you, particularly, um, you know, at a young age, you know, where kids are still sort of, you know, going through things and trying to figure themselves out and kids can be mean teenagers. Like, what do you think it was that really made her feel like she could tell you anything? Because I think too, for us, like, especially being parents of like young kids, that's like what we want for our kids. You know, we mm-hmm. want them to feel so comfortable and so like open with us that they could literally tell us anything. So what mm-hmm. do you think that that was? I don't know. I mean, I, I think that um, I think like about about most things, I think we're pretty like first of all her parents have a podcast where they talk about every single thing (laughs) about their marriage (laughs) like we literally go to conference with their teacher and adam and i look at each other and we're like you think they listened 
You think they know? (laughs) You think they know like our sexual fantasies? Like, oh my God, what are your sexual fantasies? We'll be back on, we'll, we'll come back to that. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I mean, she, she is raised sort of in a house where she has very unconventional parents, you know, I mean, Mm. not many people. And, and on the flip side, they've had to be super accepting of us, you know, Mm -hmm. we literally like they go out into the world and people are like, oh, I know everything about your parents, you know? So that's also like we are asking them to be mm-hmm. super accepting of us, too. And they are, um, which is awesome. But, um, you know, I think also it, I we come from my ha- my family has always been like very big activists and very um, into advocacy and everything. I mean, she's gone to, you know, sh- women's marches and she's gone to, you know, Black Lives Matter marches and she's she's been sort of in the thick of it that she sort of knows like where we stand as far as acceptance and embracing and everything like that. And, you know, we've always had, like, I've always had a huge for years, a huge like rainbow painting in our, and, and, you know, we have like throughout our house, we have certain signs about, you know, women's rights and everything like that. So just like little things here and there that Mm -hmm. are sort of subtle, like, you know, mm-hmm. you're accepted no matter who you are here mm-hmm. has sort of been helpful, I think. But um, but she certainly, you know, obviously, I feel like we're still working on it because then when she wanted to tell us about the autism thing, it wasn't really the same kind of mm-hmm. ease. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? So it's like we're still learning how to be those. I mean, I want like unconditional acceptance to be our thing, but I think like as much as unconditional love comes sort of naturally to all of us. I think unconditional acceptance is so mm. much harder. Yes. Um, so we're still working on it, but I mean, but we're, we are working on it. Like we want that to be, that's the ultimate goal. So, so changing gears a little bit, cause you mentioned your sex life. And we <laughs> love to talk about sex on women on top. Um, so you said well, if your marriage was not going according to plan. That probably meant that your sex life wasn't going according to plan. So how did you get that sexy back? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's taken, it was like, it took time. It was sort of like, you know, I think it's so interesting because we went through like a phase in our marriage where we were doing a lot of things and being really experimental, but we weren't Mm -hmm. like communicating about it. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like so great we were sort of just trying things like to try them and to say we tried them and, you know, to be that couple who, but I don't think we were like, we weren't talking about it beforehand. We weren't like planning or researching or doing any of the things that like, because then you kill the spontaneity and everything. But those Mm -hmm. things that sometimes you really have to like know for danger's sake. (laughs) So what are these things? I'm sorry. (laughs) Now I'm like, does that mean it was there an open relationship situation or is there a a open relationship situation? Okay. There was just like a, oh, oh, safety means, was there a chain situation? Was there... Knives? What? Like, what is going on? Like lube things, or um, you know, like gentle versus hard versus you know that kind of stuff. (laughs) More interesting over the years, I think. Like, I think we went from like we did rather than going from like a crazy awesome sex life to not, Mm -hmm. you know, it not being so great. I think we went from like pretty boring to exciting, but not like a good kind of exciting, more just like a daring, you know, risque, mm-hmm. like, 
you know, I don't know. And now we've sort of combined the like risque with the communication. And yeah, that's the sexiest. Huge, which is another huge thing everyone always says. And I'm like the date night questions ebook. We put all those questions in there that we talked about and like the yes, no, maybe checklist that you can check off, you know, mm. figure out like, where do you match? Where do you not match? What's something you want to explore? Because we really like when we didn't communicate, it was pretty miserable. Mm-hmm. Okay, so was there like a time when you when <laughs> she's you guys like, were, tell me know, everything, like, <laughs> tell me everything? So was there a time during like let's say your abs when you okay? So were you ever not having sex, or were you guys always having sex but just not talking about it? And if so, how did you get out of that? So we did not. I don't know about you guys. We did not. Have- during my pregnancies like at all oh my god i had sex like three times i could not i i would touch a pillow and i'd be like i I, I always am jealous of women who are like i've never had the orgasms i had my ears would ring for an hour afterwards my whole body i would actually be dizzy i'd have to like put my head between my legs because the orgasms were so intense I've like never had those types of orgasms before. Okay. See, that makes me super jealous. (laughs) I was the opposite during my pregnancy. I was like, I, I like did not, I felt like I, my body was not like my own. I just, I did not have good pregnancies. I Mm. I was not a comfortable pregnant woman, although I did it, you know, a bunch of times. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, but I, I just like, every time we were pregnant, I was like, I just, I just can't, if we did it, it was just to like do it. Yeah. But um, but I think that the way to get out of it is like, again, I mean, it's I don't know if you guys, you guys ever listen to Sex with Emily with Emily Morris. Mm-hmm. Oh, she's she's great, but her big thing is like communication is lubrication. It is, and mm-hmm. I fully believe that. Like once we started talking with the podcast and everything, and like realizing, oh, you want to try that? I want to try that too. Why have we never talked about that? And you know, yeah. like we. Once we started like sitting down at dinner and like, you know, taking out like a book or taking out mm-hmm. you know, even Google or whatever, just and 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 actually talking about it and looking together and like being like, OK, I want to do this with you. Mm-hmm. Things got so much better. Isn't that interesting? So it really does come down to communication. Definitely. And I think, too, I feel like, too, um, for me, it's also like the mental and emotional. Like if I'm mad at him or like totally. I feel like we're not on the same page, I can't like get over that to make it to the physical side. Like mm-hmm. it has to be like we're in the same sort of um, lane, you know, as far as like, yeah. okay, I've got to be happy with him. I've got to like be, you know, in a good place, like emotionally. It's hard though, but because I feel like men aren't necessarily like that. A lot of the time. Oh, I think they're more like that than we give them credit. Yeah, I do. I think that also for us, we can have sex anytime we want. Doesn't mean we'll orgasm, but we can. A man can't. It's so connected to their brain. So if they have a mental block, it's not working. You know what I mean? But you don't think men can more compartmentalize that? (sighs) I don't know. No men that I've known. It's always been emotional. So if I'm mean to them, I don't get laid. Um, so I'm yeah, trying to be very nice. I'm like screaming at everybody. Like I talked about, he's like, I'm so turned off. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. My husband is turned off when I'm bitchy. It's right. not sexy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mean mommy is not sexy. Yeah. 
Totally. Yeah, I think, you know, totally. sex life is, is important to work on. Like, it's just like everything else. And I think as yeah. we get older and we have kids, it's like, oh, okay, well that, see, I've always had good, good sex with my husband. We have regular sex. I love sex. So that's something that I felt so ashamed for so long to say that because a lot of women don't say that. Like I need it a couple times a week. I want it a couple times a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like when I used to say that out loud, people would be like, I would be this weird, you know, strange being that like, mm. but I do think, you know, sex is such an important part of a marriage. And mm. if that is breaking down, then it's, it's an indication that other things are also breaking down. And of course, like if you've just had a baby and you're sleep deprived and your vagina is not working for a while, like there's hormones that like, you don't really feel much for a bit. And I totally get that. Mm. But if you're deep in a marriage and you're not having sex, I feel like there's something else that that needs to be worked on because there is that physical that's important, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And stress that- too, you know, stress with like work and stuff. Mm-hmm. I know like for us, like, you know, when it's like, you know, work and you know, there's something really big coming up. I mean, I think it really, well, maybe less for me. Like I can more get over like work stress and having sex. But I think for my husband, like when he is stressed about work, no, yeah, he's just like, oh, he's so like in it, like in work that he cannot, like, it's hard for him to pull himself out, you know? But then you need to say, hey, when you're stressed and you're in work and I need physical affection mm-hmm. every now and then, like, again, I'm not be- forcing you to give that to me, but every now and then, this is what I would like, yeah. needs and wants. I need you to go for a run or I need you to go do something that's de-stressful. So when yeah. you come back to me, we can have those intimate conversations and we can kiss and sex to me isn't always about the physical act of sex like when I say sex like it's intimacy right it's like Mm -hmm. it's intimacy that isn't just words it's intimacy through kissing or holding or touching or doing whatever active sexual whatever it is is a form of sex and if someone's stressed and you say hey I totally get that you're stressed just go de-stress every now and then so we can communicate because I know when I'm anxious and stressed I'm a terrible communicator I keep my thoughts don't even I'm not even saying like I said something the other day that I said something mean the other day and Sean said do you mean that and I was like no he said well then why did you say it and I was like I don't know like I was just so heightened and stressed that I just said something you know, and that's what happens. It's like for sex, like you have to be grounded. <laughs> yeah, you have to. You're right. You have to be grounded. You can't have like all this other stuff going on in your head that's like swirling around and taking mm-hmm. care of, the, ta- you know, taking up space. But I do think it's interesting, too, because like you're saying, I don't think that sex necessarily has to mean intercourse. It no. can mean like hugging, you know, holding hands, like kissing. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that 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 is actually a lot more intimate a lot of the yeah. time. I used to think sex, I don't know about you guys, but like when I first started having sex, all the noise and the narrative to me was like for women, I just always felt dirty. Right. I was always like, oh, my gosh. Like, I remember the first time someone we did like an oral sex act. I burst into tears, (laughs) which is really sexy (laughs) because I was like, oh, my goodness, like this is terrible. What have I done? Mm -hmm. Like, I can't believe this. I'm dirty. I'm wrong. And it's like. I never celebrated my sensuality or sexuality Mm -hmm. sort of until I got older, but it's like, I don't know why we think that we can't enjoy the, the experience completely fully Mm -hmm. and wholly. Yeah, it's true. Well, as women, we're taught 
that we're not supposed to. It's more of like a function of our bodies. You know, it's like, Mm -hmm. you know, because you want to have kids or because you're trying to service somebody else or because Mm -hmm. it's like, you're not supposed to like as women, I feel like our society tells us that we're not supposed to enjoy it. Like the way Mm -hmm. that a man does, you know? Right. What do you think, Danielle? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think that Certainly, I think women are misunderstood as far as like libido goes and everything. But I also think I i mean, I fully believe what you were talking about, about mood and everything. Like I'm a full believer in like chore play with, you know, like that when Adam is really helpful and when he's doing stuff and I'm not saying whether that's right or wrong or that that's the way it should be. But I certainly believe that that like that when he is really helpful and I come downstairs and like the kitchen is clean or he's like, you know, done homework with the kids or whatever. I am definitely more like, damn, you know, I feel like that's just sort of, that's amazing. Yeah. My husband always cleans the kitchen. Right. So I'm like, I don't even think about it, but he's not, he doesn't like come and just touch me. Like, because that's not his love language. His love language is like, do the homework, clean, get me a coffee, which is lovely. But when you've been in the sort of entertainment business your whole life, you've kind of had, you know, people have been helping you along the way. So they do those sort of those types of things. So like, I don't, I want to be touched. I want someone to like say to me, Oh my God, I, I, you're so, you look so pretty today. Like, I, like, give me a kiss. Oh my God. If someone said that to me, I'd be like, there are my clothes. <laughs> Damn it. You look really pretty today. There are my clothes. <laughs> It's interesting. It's all love languages are different. Yeah. yeah. No, definitely. But like, yeah. is what about everybody? So, okay. Then, it, I mean, I would say probably what? Most of the time partners don't have the same love language, right? Mm-hmm. Right? And it's, so it's kind of like navigating that, trying to figure out like what your partner, like yeah. what their love language is, right? Yeah, for yeah. sure. So Danielle's is acts of service. Mine is... Uh-huh. Uh, touch, uh-huh. physical, con- physical touch. And what is yours, Roxy? I think mine is a little bit of a mix. It's um, la- like speaking nicely to me, I guess that's mm-hmm. language. And then also acts of service. Interesting. You know, mm-hmm. I know it's kind of- it all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I do have to say touch is good too. Like it's because it's so unexpected that like, you know, if my husband comes up behind me and let's say I'm at the sink and he puts his like arms around me, you know, and is like behind me while I'm like doing whatever, washing mm-hmm. a dish or something that is sexy, you know, but isn't it because of how we were raised? Like, for example, my parents were very touchy feely, like they were very huggy, uh, huggy, kissy, kissy. Uh, um, if my dad hugged me uh, and I would feel like I was loved, you know, so oh, interesting. OK, so my like the way I grew up, I didn't see like, I mean, my parents were affectionate with us like mm-hmm. as kids, but I didn't see like a lot of affection between the two of them. So I don't know if that, I don't know if that plays into it or, or what, how about you, Danielle? What did you say kind of growing up? Yeah. I mean, well, first of all, I, I think my dad wasn't home very much, but, mm-hmm. uh, but when he was, yeah, my parents were pretty affectionate, I think. Yeah. But they also, like, you know, it was also the type of thing, like, they were each other's first boyfriend and girlfriend, and they'd been together since they were 15. And, you know, so, like, all of those things that, you know, you don't realize that there are, like, a whole lot of other relationships and ways to do it out there. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? Like that's, if that's all you see. And that was, that's been one of, you know, another one of our issues also is sort of a, like, that was the only, we got married at 24. So that was oh, like wow. only the same other relationships we had seen in our lives. So yeah. literally every aspect of our marriage was sort of like, well, this is how our parents did it, or this mm-hmm. is how my parents did it. Or, you know, there's this push and pull of like, well, we need to do it this way. We were sort of like, we got to this place where we were sort of like, we need to do it wait, our way. Mm-hmm. But that took, mm-hmm. that took a really long time. Like, and we're still working on it. <laughs> and it's like, cause I, I always thought I met my husband at 23 and, um, I got married at 27 and I kind of thought that I would have still married him at 37, but I just thought that that's what you do, right? You get married young and then you realize like you change so much Mm -hmm. together as humans as you get into your thirties. And I'm sure as you get into your forties or fifties and sixties, like you're just, you're fundamentally like different people Mm -hmm. as you get into each, you know, decade. And that's, that's something that I'm like, wow, like, you know, he was 33 when I met him and I was 23. We were kind of similar in a way because I feel like women do, um, you know, they're, they're more mature. It's kind of known when they're younger. And then as we get older, like we want different things. So it's like trying to, we want obviously the same things for our bigger picture, but the mm-hmm. small things we want are different. And so you have to kind of redefine what that looks like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess that's why communication is so important, right? Because it's mm-hmm. like all these different stages you have to continually communicate. And that's the problem when it breaks down, when there's, you know, stuff that goes on, there's stress or there's like a pandemic or there's like... That's never know. happened before. <laughs> yeah. Never there's happened like before. the end of the world. <laughs> yeah. There's an apocalypse, you know. Yeah. <laughs> that, that Yeah, that it's just like trying to continually figure out like communication and it Mm -hmm. looks different I feel like too as you like go into all these different you know life stages it's Mm -hmm. like because then you start having kids and then it's like okay you're communicating about each other but then you're also communicating about your kid and it's like right and it's trying to like figure out what that is and sometimes I'm sorry guys but like sometimes you just don't want to fucking communicate yeah but that's you know what and we should probably like end on this idea but that's okay too. I think we don't give ourselves enough grace Mm -hmm. to be like, you know what? There is no such thing as perfect. Mm -hmm. And we're just all doing the best we can. And when you fuck up, instead of us going into a shame spiral, Mm -hmm. just give ourselves grace that like, you know what? We fucked up and then we're human. And that's what it means to be human. And then next time, let's just try not to fuck up. You know, or just try not or to fuck, fuck up, up as bad. Right, right, right. Yeah. So like, let's not like if we're going to say something terrible, just be like, OK, next time I won't say the terrible thing, but I might raise my voice. Let's just try to be better and then hope that the other person accepts that. Because I've realized, too, like as we grow individually, the people around you will always think that you were the person in your past. They'll always think like, well, you're going to do this and you're going to do that because that's who you were before. And it doesn't matter about their opinions because all that matters is your growth mm-hmm. and just let the people have their opinions of what you used to be and continue to grow, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. On to growth, more growth. On to growth, Danielle. <laughs> and we're going to have to go soon because we're going to talk to you. Yay. It's a twofer. Hey, that's going to be so fun. Danielle, do you have any parting words for yes. our listeners? Yes. Oof. Um, 
Let's see here. I, marriage I, advice. Yes. Yes. Or tell us your kinky sex games that you never really went into. (laughs) Where it was a little dangerous, you know? (laughs) No, you know, I just, I feel like we, I, I always say on the podcast and everything that, you know, hard doesn't always mean bad and Mm -hmm. that, you know, we can like hard, you could do stuff with hard, like you can make things easier and everything. It doesn't mean it's necessarily bad. And also, you know, we always say on the podcast also like till death to us part is like a really long time not to make any big mistakes. Yeah. Um, and going back to that, giving ourselves grace and giving each other grace, um, you know, that we need to like, remember, you know, like we're, if we're in it for the long haul, there's going to be some fuck ups along the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. The road is not, the road is not perfectly straight. It curves and it goes up and down and it's. Yeah. And sometimes it curves for one and it's straight for the other. That's what she said. I'm sorry. I had to, (laughs) I couldn't not like all these. I'm like, how am I going to know? No, don't say anything. Don't say anything. And I'm like, that was the perfect time to say it. It curves for some, it's straight for the others. I mean, it is what it is. Hey, it's a variety pack. (laughs) (laughs) I'd like a variety pack. Just kidding. I'm fine with just a one. (laughs) (laughs) well thank you so much and where can people find you yes yes so we're marriage and martinis on all platforms anywhere you get your podcasts our big you know our instagram is super fun we love our instagram community and everything um and you can head to our website and get our date night question ebook which is super fun we've like it's just been that's been like one of my favorite things ever that we've done um yeah, so that's that's really it. Well, thank you so guys great. so much for listening to us. And don't forget to rate, subscribe, comment, and share. Yes. And go be sure you do when you're commenting and sharing, share it from our podcast app, share it from iTunes oh, or Spotify or look at you. Music or any of look those. at you. All right. All right. <laughs> we want to know. We want to know. We want and follow us on um <laughs> what are we? <laughs> women on top. Oh my God, it's been a while. Women on Top podcast on Facebook? Yes. <laughs> and Women on Top official on Instagram and Women on Top, our group on Clubhouse. Amazing. Thanks, guys. We love you. Yeah. Uh, we love this community. And I am Tamin Sursok. And I am Roxy Manning. And we are <gasps> Women, Women on Top <laughs> credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.